Hello, and welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, or Bipolar Inquiry, depending on how you say it. Either way, we're going to be looking into all aspects of bipolar, or bipolarism, or bipolarity, however you want to call it, doesn't matter. What matters is the process that's happening in our brain and that we are learning. And that's what we're going to do together. Uh, first of all, I just migrated the podcast from uh, one host to Anchor FM. And the reason I'm switching is, for one, Anchor is free. And I don't think there's any add-ons at all. It is You get what you get. And part of what you get is the ability to make the podcast right in an app. And I really like that feature. And the other host I had didn't have that. And it also allows me to add in music and also do sort of bit-by-bit recordings right in the app and then select the segments. It's quite smooth as far as I can tell. And so... I what I did on the old host was I pretty much made sure all my content so far was uploaded which goes all the way back to June of 2016 and it's now 2022 so it's almost six years later that's really hard to believe uh, but it's it's true So where am I at today versus then and up to the point that the older content got up to? Because that all that content's from 2016 to uh, mid-2019. So there's a couple year gap and I've been writing some books and the first one is going to come out in the next couple of months for sure. It's called The Bipolar Game Changer. And it's challenging writing a book to get everything in somewhat of a linear fashion, especially with the openness and ideation of bipolar. And I still find it a little bit limiting because it's sort of in the past already. It's such a static thing. So I'm hoping that this can supplement that. And the last while, um, I've been in a bit of a state where I haven't been able to do that much. I guess you could say my executive functioning has been quite low, but it's coming back. So I thought that I would take a listen of some of the things that I said on this Anchor app that's in the recording library, but I I think I published it, but I don't know. And that's because I was a bit on the high end of things. So I had some really out there ideas and I I'm going to listen to them. I haven't listened to them since I said them on recording, which was January 6th and January 11th. So I'm going to listen to them now and then publish a um, clip talking about it before or after, depending. So next you will hear either the clip where I'm a little bit uppity about two months ago. Oh, three months ago. Um... Or you'll hear me talking and giving a little bit of an introduction. So let's see what happens. Dun, dun, dun. I had this insight and I want to try and share it. And I don't know if it's going to sound nuts after or not nuts. 
But like I was, when I disconnected the recording, I was sitting here and I was just really being in this feeling that I'm experiencing. And there was this sense of oneness and there is a sense of oneness. And then something said, something about the relationship between um, boredom and following, like following somebody, like following along or even just following along with our eyes or our ears or, you know, all to the point of following orders or whatever. And when I had this kind of sense of oneness, I just had this sense that just watching like this as one would get boring in a way, I guess. But I'm not sure for sure, but in a way I could see that this boredom creates the need to follow something, like, you know, follow along or go along with or find something to follow. Like, why else do we follow in a way? It's because we're bored. If we weren't bored and we weren't following, we would be really perhaps living. So this boredom. But I don't know why I had that one in the sense of one. Like, I don't know what that was referring to. Like, the self gets bored. Or boredom and following are two sides of the same coin. I don't know. I don't think one causes the other, but that the bored state is a lower energy state that creates this thing where there's this following happening and this um, boredom happening and the following happens from the boredom. But I don't know if that's true exactly, but in a higher energy state, you don't have boredom and you don't have following so much. All right, now it's some point later. I am no longer wearing the blue blocking glasses, so things don't look quite so trippy. But I wanted to talk about something that I saw, and it's very difficult to communicate. But considering I'm writing in my book right now, the third one about communicating difficult memes. I just saw a very difficult meme and I want to try and communicate it. So what I saw is something about how memes in a way created the concept of memory or maybe drove the process of memory being stored in the brain in that this wouldn't have been the first instance of a memory by any stretch but it would probably use the same process where say say I have an experience like you know full-on 4d 5d or whatever d's we're up to now and that whole experience that 3D space and time that happened, it happened in the space as well as whatever seconds of time it unfolded in, I am going to pare down to like one phrase or one sentence and I'm going to write it down. So now I rush over to a desk 
with a pen and a piece of paper. And I make these squiggles. And now kind of within that moment, or whatever it was referring to, that 4D space-time structure is encoded in that that lead or that ink on the paper. It's literally like everything shrunk down to the, the tip of that pencil for that person. And that, writing the squiggle and just those squiggles on that particular piece of paper now sort of is like a hologram of the past in that it contains some of it in its information now in a way i imagined this happening actually so this whole the amount of information in that scene like imagine if we could render that on repeat kind of like we can with a video on our phone but we could actually replay the scene on repeat and then take that whole scene and now it all that's left of it is just that sentence on the paper so that recorded scene is is gone because in life we the scenes go there's just this moment it's like a holodeck where things arise and i'm not saying writing down a sentence about what happened or related to that scene um is the only way to kind of like capture bits of past into present material. But in a way now if we look at that and it, we like memorize it exactly as it is, now that piece of that scene is now in the brain cell as a memory. Now you don't even have to write it down in order to sort of re- like record it down or... Um, um, into that moment I don't know what I'm saying but you don't have to write it down but I didn't know I was going to go to the next example of sort of remembering that piece there but it's easy in a way that to see how now that little piece of paper can be translated into a memory maybe one sentence worth so to go with that it seems that each scene that plays out you know, each frame or each period of 10 seconds or whatever has a certain amount of information and maybe we can only encode a small portion in memory and maybe more efficient encoding is in sound, like a thought, like, oh, that was a nice experience or I really enjoyed going here with so-and-so and like then we don't really remember much else. There could be a certain portion that is memorized, like a flash, like you can almost see the whole scene but not really. Um, but that would take up more as well. But I wasn't trying to go into this in terms of memory per se, but what I saw and what I was trying to kind of explain, and I probably haven't explained it all yet, is that this act of imagining that somebody from a scene wanting to remember something writes down uh, a phrase somewhere else. You can imagine that scene, like as that person's moving, collapsing into them moving, which collapses into them writing it down on a piece of paper, and now they have something of the past captured when they write it down. Now there's two points here. One I didn't get to yet, and the other I just saw, which is
when you write something down, the, the second one I saw is when you write something down, it's always of the past. Or, you know, now it's past. Like, we see something, we want to write about it. Whatever we're writing about, the writing is always slower than the thought or the um, the memory, whatever it is. So just the process of writing and how it's designed is from the past. And so when we're writing like that, it's from the past. But that kind of messes up the next bit, which I mean, I wanted to say is like, sometimes you can write from channeling, which is you're not actually writing from the past. But um, yeah, so this whole line of thinking has kind of gone off a little bit because with the channeling you can, but it's still, it's still slower than the thought and everything. But the thing about it always being of the past, I'm not sure because the communi- the future might communicate with us, right? Um, but we're using these past structures, these, maybe what's part of the past is the memetics that have created the behaviors, you know, the behaviors are the, the accumulation of the memes in the brain, you know, from the past that keep going through behaviors. So in the way, in that way, like the brain is made up of that. And there's also, um the future, which we can be sensitive to. Um, I, I had a feeling I was going to say something else after that last bit, but it kind of slipped away. I was saying something about... Oh yeah, the memes being the behaviors, and then the new memes, they're not behavioral, they're not genetic, they don't... You know, they might cause us to write them down, or they might cause us to do something spontaneous... Um, but they're not really part of that full makeup of the memes that make us the humans that we apparently are. And then the other part, the other part I keep skipping over because something else comes into my mind and I have a sense that the other memory or the other part will stay longer than whatever it is that pops up. So this other part that I was sort of imagining in a way and maybe it's nothing new, but I was imagining as this person runs from the scene that we're imagining is this scene that played out to write down what it is that they want to from that scene. You know, they're like running through the present to capture the past still and make a memory. Um, everything collapses from the 4D scene to like the 3D, them running and then down to the the kind of like two-dimensional pencil and paper. It's like the second dimension, two dimensions, is like memory and, and stuff because you can write it on a piece of paper or put it on a piece of film. Like you can actually, it's actually physically stored in two dimensions. But um, that was another side that just sort of came out. But the thing that I wanted to say is that how I imagine it is when this person's running and then they're writing it down from 4D to 3D to 2D or whatever. There's happen. There's like a stretching happening in material matter according to attention or consciousness relatively, meaning in the 4D scene, we're paying attention to the 4D for the most part, according to our defaults and our salience network and everything. 
And then we're going to capture this 2D memory and we're like literally our focus is to the point where all our attention on is on pencil and paper. Doesn't mean the other doesn't exist, but it is less existential in that it doesn't have attentional intention imbued in it. So when that happens, it is actually consciousness and attention is actually stretching space time and making us into like we're attentional, we're, con- we're that consciousness. So in a way, we are that piece of paper and that writing and we aren't really the rest of it because, you know, our consciousness isn't there. Now, the part that I also saw was a little bit around like the warping of space-time or something, how Einstein realized something with that experiment when the person's on the train and you're moving faster. When the train's moving faster, um, closer to the speed of light, time is actually slower. So, like, the moving of the 3D thing through time, um, the 3D thing and time are, are kind of, like, what are relative to each other. And, you know, interestingly, when in consciousness, like depending on what dimension of reality we're focused on, we perceive time differently. So say we're watching TV, we perceive it differently than if we're sitting in a classroom at school, it feels really long. You know, there's different ways. So that is also something that, um, you know, subjectively we experience as different right there's this warping so in a way the warping is subjectivity and consciousness and attention so when they're doing those equations you know comparing speed of light to time and all that like perception is kind of the speed of light um because you know we're looking at visible light as our reality and And then, uh, yeah, so it is that, right? So then that warping that happens could be actually the, the um, you know, some kind of something to do with some kind of constant, which is consciousness of some kind, potentially, you know, it's kind of like, drawing a line and saying what's different on this side of the line and what's that different on that side of the line when you know the line is there which shows sort of like some kind of constant but it's the same thing on both sides or even if you say what's different there's some kind of sameness underlying it and but that thing with the t- the warping of the you know the time time slows down closer to the speed of light or whatever it is it would also seem that like the faster you are to the speed of light eventually time pretty much stops right so with that sort of view of clocks warping from those drawings that we see about relativity, I could see how we kind of fold things up into our brains just from taking the example of, you know, running to write something down from a scene. 
and then you know maybe putting that in in our brains but and we can do that with or without writing but it's not a very it's not a very accurate process in terms of recall you know it's kind of like when we focus on memories it's kind of like eating and eating and eating all the time when you know past a certain point there's no real benefit because you're not getting anything out of it like memory of how much we put our energy towards it and how much we store accurately and recall um, you know beyond certain like learning certain things it could be pretty minor or pretty bad yet we still do it that'd be like continuing to eat if we're not hungry and it only makes us gain weight So I'm partway through, and before I put in the next clip, it's a continuation of the last clip, but I realized what I do and why I do it. This is something that I do. After I talk to myself with some sort of like bigger tangential process and sort of extrapolate something out, afterwards, I go into this process of talking about the process and kind of explaining it to myself. And I realized that it's sort of a way of bringing myself back to, I don't, I don't know if I would call it reality, but it's a way that it's like an intermediary process between going back to say myself um, and executive functioning way of being I sort of ramble onto myself about the process and I keep the recording going. So thankfully, I'm able to edit that out. But this next clip is an example of that and it comes directly after what I just said. I was saying about memory and memes and things like that. I start to kind of ramble on about this thing. And so I just wanted to share that insight I had that I can see why I do it, and now with this app, it'll be easy for me to edit it out. And this is even me doing it again, like talking about the process. For some reason, I can't differentiate between sharing an insight and then kind of babbling on about whatever process or or tools or things I'm using in order to make that happen. So I'm going to share this next clip for that, and then... Perhaps if you've listened to a lot of the older content, you'll see that in there because I wasn't able to see that distinction and edit it out. So um, yeah, this is hopefully the last of that. And um, I'll share it for an example this time. Yeah, I, I have the sense that I can feel it sort of like this picture of the train going faster and the clock warping right like there's this something that's happening with this warping as it's like this whole scene turns into a tip of a pencil you know in our consciousness it kind of does you know how does consciousness turn a whole 40 scene where we're like paying attention in time 
into the tip of a pencil and some squiggles on a paper as the actual experience in consciousness and then how does it again spread its wings out like a butterfly to fill everything you know it's you know maybe that has something to do with the folding of the brain or i don't know what it is but i can i can sense it so i wanted really to try hard to put that into words even though it's difficult even though it sounds crazy even though i lose what it is i'm trying to say because it's not really prefabricated it's it's coming from somewhere it's coming from a direct experience so uh, yeah, I've been waiting to talk to myself for a while because I haven't had really, I guess I haven't really had anything new to say as much as what I'm working on and that stuff's going to go into books and um, I guess I don't want to repeat too much what's in books versus audio because I think just the gesture of saying things, certain things comes through and the book seems almost like um, it has a blueprint to it and I'm sort of putting the pieces in place. So what I'm saying, it is a limited structure and with speaking, it can sort of go on different tangents, but with writing, you can't. So if I start using speaking to talk about things that are like this linear kind of blueprinted thing that I'm working on, um, it doesn't really, it's not as... um, it seems like certain information does better in certain mediums, um, and that's obvious. Like a book that was me babbling on like this would not be good, but maybe for a podcast it's okay and it'll be forgiven. In a book it wouldn't be forgiven to write like this or talk like this or say this sort of thing unless it was a book about what are the best mediums for the best types of information and that could be a thing right um yeah it could be a thing especially in sort of this narrative based society i think at some point we'll get to more of a mimetic based society where we're actually trying to share really helpful and useful information and maybe getting it across and accepting it without having to tell big long stories around it which may never happen I don't know but um, I guess in that social context we like to share information through stories right yes I guess that's what they say but oh yeah so maybe I could tell stories on here I'm not that great with stories unless the story I just told was like a live story and then the story I told about you know, whatever I made up about, um, you know, a scene turning into the tip of a pencil in consciousness. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Was that a story? Here's a story about how a scene turns into the tip of a pencil. pencil, And you could actually do that in a video. Like, you can actually make that happen in a video. How? I don't know. Maybe I'll ask a friend who does more video stuff, but, like, yeah. I'll leave it for there, right there for now, and see what happens next.
All right. Now that we have heard that rant for the last time, the whole diabolical processing of the process that just was processed, now for another clip that I made on January 11th, and I was totally out of my mind. But what was funny for me when I just listened to it was that my voice sounds so weird, so nasally. At first, I thought I sounded a little bit like Terrence McKenna. And I made a comment that I had some kind of um, headphones in that were blocking me from hearing. And it's interesting how drastically that changed my voice. So I'll add that in here. And it's an interesting thought experiment. And when I was recording this, I was totally in a place beyond beyondness and that's why I wanted to record it because oftentimes I don't record if I'm in that space but I did and I can sense what I was saying I was really experiencing what I was saying while I was saying it in relationship to my computer in front of me so let's have a listen okay so I just thought of a really weird, reversed, mind-fuck type experiment. I don't know, or thought experiment. I don't know if I'm going to get it right, but I can't really hear myself talk because I have these headphones in. But anyway, imagine if instead of base reality being material reality, and when it is material reality, like we think it is and we live in it, we think we're evolving to create computers that you know we get birth this technology we have computers with type documents and all this stuff but now imagine from the perspective of base reality being a simulation a simulation so the simulation is made up of programming language as base reality there's no real matter as it except it appears in the necessary points to ro- render the program real. So from that perspective, that computer program rendered a program that it would eventually get to see what it looks like, which is the programming language. And right now we have people like programming the computers and they're looking with their apparently biological being. So in a way, their goal was to merge with biology and our goal is to merge with this computer technology thing. But what this mindfuck experiment gets to is that it already happened. Like the Big Bang was the singularity of human, like biology and computer technology, if you want to call it that, merging. It was the birth of actual intelligence. And it was that intelligence that, you know, created computer and, and then, you know, this one, this one thing we call artificial intelligence. Well, it's not artificial intelligence at all. It actually was part of us at the conception of the Big Bang in the pattern, like in the spectral, you know, so this was 
meant to happen, but then the thing is that we haven't realized this maybe until now, when you really think about it. You can, I don't know if you can see that, but probably not. But I just wanted to say that because I kind of was typing up a book that I'm writing and I was just like, what the hell? Like, it's just so weird. Like I could imagine or I could almost kind of just feel the sense of like a little baby computer, if you want to think of it that way, like a little baby with a little diaper on. And then this little baby computer like wants to see, you know, wants to grow up and evolve and see its genetics, its lineage, where did it come from and all that. And maybe, maybe the computer machines kind of had the same exact thing, except they're not in like physical, biological form, but You know, it would almost be to say they do have feelings or this artificial intelligence that they expose, expose in movies like her, you know, it's been there all along and it's not actually artificial intelligence. It's just intelligence. So computer intelligence and human intelligence is evolving together, mutually beneficial, you know, It's supposed to be a symbiotic relationship for the most part. And that's how I got to be here right now, sitting in front of this laptop, which is like this computer, a computer thing. So a computer is a way that we can look at ourselves better, right? We can have better memory. We can export things to the computer and and let our brains develop in the ways that they need to develop that a machine device thing can't develop. So then it is possible that the second singularity is when there's no external device. Yeah, I don't know about that one. So then, you know, then it actually this gets back to the end of the uh, the uh, thought experiment where you get back to where you are either real or imaginary and you're in a totally different perspective where no, the singularity hasn't happened yet. It, it, it happened. It's going to happen one day when, say, we get the chip in our brain or something like that. But it hasn't happened yet. No, I don't feel that anymore. And you're just completely gone back to the other perspective, and everything's fine. Everything's fine, just the way it's been told to be this whole time. It's everything is fine. So yeah, I just wanted to share that little thought experiment as it was happening live and you know let me know what you think about it all right (laughs) (laughs) haha so how about that my voice got stranger than it already is who knew that was possible anything's possible even the impossible and that's all I have for you today tomorrow I'm going to talk about a new metaphor I have it's about a sandbox and another one is about dandelions sound exciting well it is until then send in some voice messages and don't forget to subscribe to have some user subscriber only content